and welcome to the Bunkerzilla Film Raw, your place for all things movie-related. I'm your host, Ian Bolton, and I'm joined, as always, by my cinematic partner in crime. It is Christian R. Allen! Namaste! And the police are sirening in the background. What have you done? Yes, I don't know. They are quite quite loud. I do, for, for the benefit of our listeners, all three of them. I live next to the Itchen Bridge in Southampton. It's a bit, it's a bit noisy at times. With all, with, all, with all the people cruising for an itching. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I can't resist that joke. Every time. Ever. It's not even, it's, I mean, joke's normally funny. Yeah, I like, just bludgeon them with a stick. Like, every time I've driven Ian over the itching bridge, I've just get the same. It just He stares at me for a good 30 seconds before shouting. You do it, go on. It's like, ah, the itching bridge. It's a cruising for an itching. Oh, dear. And I, don't we've to one ne- I don't understand how I've never just like, careered off the bloody thing into the river itching. Well, it would wreck your Volkswagen up. Yep. yep. But it's an uh, up, so it should deploy the balloons as yes. soon as the... What I like about my car is the fact that it has an exclamation point. It's not an up, <laughs> it's an up. Up. up! 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 Why are you still on the ground? Up! You know, that's a good segue into our first film choice. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But anyway, uh, before we go into our first film choice of the episode, General Ketchup, how are you doing? Adequate. It's, Adequate. Um, it's been seven years since I've made physical contact with another human being, or at least it feels that way. Mm. I, I haven't gone full Sam Smith yet in my mansion, breaking down within, what, 12 hours? Okay. Did you not but see that? I've seen that, but it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I've decided to use my found free, new found free time to um, sort of deep dive into the um, filmographies of people, I, I, filmmakers I like, which I've, yeah. like, um, I've always felt like I'm a big Guillermo del Toro fan, but I've realised I've only watched three of his movies. So is one I of them Pan's Labyrinth, the other one oh. is The Shape of Water, and is one of them one of the Hellboy films? Yes. Oh, technically I've watched four of them. <laughs> Have you watched Blade 2? I've watched five of them. I've watched more than I remembered. So, uh, yeah, he directed me too. Um, those are the only ones. I've just um, I've I've managed to grab hold a copy of Kronos, his um, feature length directorial debut. It's basically a steampunk vampire movie. Okay. And uh, um, I, I'm aware how I describe the film will send warning uh, signals to most listeners, but it, I can assure you, it's a good steampunk vampire movie. Um, have you also seen The Shape of Water? Can we make that list go higher? Yeah, I have. You've already said that. Did I? Oh, yes. Ignore me then. Cut <laughs> this bit out. <laughs> but it was, it was strange because I hate steampunk movies. Um, but I also, on the same day, I watched um, um, The City of Lost Children mm. for the first time, um, which is also a steampunk movie. And both films star Ron Perlman, and I didn't realise that he was the lead in those films. And, like, the, and the long and, friendship with Del Toro was made. Absolutely. Because he's um, been in tons of his films. Even Blade 2, he's like one of the vampire search and destroy people. Really? I love his little cameo in... Um, oh, I tell a lie, I've seen Pacific Rim. Oh, yes. <laughs> you, know, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm a terrible liar. I've seen all his films. I'm just a... <laughs> you, just, you, just remember, you just remember them as you go along. Yeah, I, yeah. Like it, I, I, I'm, I'm rather embarrassed now. But... Um, <laughs> No, basically, yeah. So I, I'm, I, so I've watched Kronos and City of Lost Children. So I'm on my C. I, I, if you remember from last week, I'm going through my uh, my film collection and just watching films I haven't seen yet. Mm. <laughs> um, so I, I'm on. I can't, I can't say. I think I'm on H. 
You're on H. And what yeah. does H stand for? H. Wait, I've got. Let's have a look. I've got Heart of Dragon with Jackie Chan. Oh, that's Maiden, a good one. Um, and then I'll be on. My problem is my film collection is a bit too far for me to see. I realise my vision's going. I can see my big box sets. I can see my Doctor Who sets. That's fine. You should have a little book that catalogues all your DVDs and Blu-rays. I have an Excel document that does that, my friend. Ah. It it, it it became a problem when me and Michaela, my fiancé, were in HMV and we almost bought three films we already owned. Oops. It was was Uh, the three for 30 deal. So, I mean, what are you going to do? Well, it's like I look around around my, my... house and all that and i probably need to invest in a list because there's so many copies of casino royale i own yeah you even own the betamax copy which is bizarre yeah even bizarre it's like who would have funk it they would release daniel craig's first bond film on betamax <laughs> max but then again it's like i've got a nice sort of scale representation of this because basically from goldeneye i've got the vhs to the dvd to the second edition dvd uh to the i think the third edition dvd um because it went from standard film somewhat special edition then it was the ultimate edition and then the bomb blu-ray came out and then i got it on blu-ray and then i got it on 4k on apple so uh, the bond films are guaranteed to always be a next generation purchase for you pretty much yes and yeah. Bit, but yeah so that's why i kind of leaked at the chance of getting all the all the craigs but i do like them separately than that weird box this oh the, the 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 bond 50 box well no it's like i've got the bond i got the bond 50 box on blu-ray but yeah. where for only on 4K, the only films they've released on on physical disc are the Craigs. Yeah, I, I avoided that because I knew that would just be a, a shelf nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with it. Well, unless they, they unless they unless they thought, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it was a bit silly with the fact that there's one Craig left. Oh yeah, yeah. So like, I wouldn't mind individual Bond sets if it is dedicated to each Bond going forward, like a whole con. But then again, that's a problem as well because Lazenby's awkwardly in the middle of Connery's last two films. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it drives me mad. This, these kind of conversations, I know they don't affect most people, but like, um, because I know I know that's the case with things like the the Marvel four Ks, because it's like majority of them have lovely slipcases, but when you get to certain film studios like Sony, and they just kind of go, nah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm actually looking at my. I've got virtually every MCU film on four K right now, and yeah, mm. they, they they look lovely apart from the Incredible Hulk. Which doesn't even have a slipcase. It was well, just Universal. Universal. Yeah, Universal just knocked it out. Yeah. So that's annoying. And then, yeah, you get the two Spider-Man movies, and it's just like, wow, they, they didn't even try to match these at all. Yeah, it's like Sony just kind of go for that sort of generic sort of spine version of just basically grey with a 4K logo and just the film the film title whereas <laughs> how, other how, can studios... we make, how can we make this new physical media format appealing to the consumer? Grey. Mm. Grey. Endless because you know, gray. you know, 4K, all about the grey. All about the grey. It's not about the deeper blacks and the brighter whites and the HDR and the high dynamic ranges and the colourful like images. No, grey. I do love high dynamic ranges. It's like I've, I've got. I mean, from I think for most of my films, I'm I'm content with Blu-ray, like especially mm. with my, like my foreign language movies. I, I just have to accept that there's no point importing a Japanese 4K for 100 quid for one film, except for Acura. If Akira, yeah, does, if Akira doesn't, if that 4K isn't released in the UK, I'll be, I'll be, dev, I'll be um, F-U-C-K'd off. Just, do you like what I did there? My free Ks. Oh, yes. no, no free Ks. That's a terrible thing. Ignore no, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh, I don't know where to oh, go for that. Apart yeah, from... <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean, I mean, with 4K stuff still is I'm very, I'm very selective. 
Um, I was yes. actually chat- I was chatting this uh, chatting through with a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Hugh K. David, who presents uh, two shows for Bungazilla. He presents uh, Real History, where he looks at uh, films representing historical events with uh, Jenna Pateman, and uh, Hustles of Culture with uh, fellow film fan uh, Leslie Pitt. Uh, Real History is already on podcast channels, so go download it if you can. Really, really great, insightful episodes there. Hustles of Culture is coming soon to the podcast network, very, very soon. So uh, yes, excitement. But yes, um, I was chatting with I was chatting with Hugh. Um, um, this week and basically it's kind of like we we both at the we're both at the stage where we will read up on the picture quality reviews before we even consider buying it same like, i was um bitterly disappointed at the response to the free uh free flavor cornetto trilogy um the recently it was released recently released as a 4k set and yeah. by all accounts um hot fuzz and the world's end looks worse than the blu-rays because they've um oh what, what's it called when it, the digital smoothing effect that I don't. I I, I, I I can't remember the, the technical term off my head. But what, I, it, what is denoising? the point of stripping? Is it the, pardon? Sorry? Is it denoising? Denoising. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was. Yeah. I think. What is the point of um, stripping away the sort of the filmic quality of the product? Mm. I mean, like, <laughs> they, I mean, it, there's another. The Terminator Two 4K has been completely smoothed over to the point where Schwarzenegger looks like a Madame Two Swords um, figure. Well, they did this. They did this with the uh, Predator Blu-ray, or like the last version of the Predator Blu-ray uh, years ago. And basically, yeah, they they cleaned it up to to hell. And basically, it's like, yes, you'll be glad it, to know it, that that was rectified for the Predator 4K that recently yes. was released. So yes. I, I I still need to grab that, which I hear glowing reviews as well. Um, mm. But yeah, it's kind of like with oh no, 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 one of the worst 4Ks I've got, and I I got and I promptly sold was I got Suicide Squad for like Christmas. Yeah. years and years ago and i and i put the disc in and it was like this is the worst looking thing i've seen and it looked <laughs> better in the cinema and it's like yeah though it's not it's not the most perfect film but i do enjoy bits of it but the fact of the matter is it's like i was so put off for that 4k presentation it was like right to cx well, I mean, <laughs> it is strange because 4ks are clearly designed for people who know what they know what to expect from yeah. the, the the cinematic image being produced. Mm. Um, you know, or at least people who have high expectations. I mean, people who are happy to spend three quid on a DVD are not going to spend, you know, don't care about picture quality, are not going to invest £25 in the same film no. on 4K. So Even they if they the stuff point, all the, versions in it. Pardon? Sorry? Even if they stuff all versions of it, Blu-ray, DVD, digital... Yeah, it's, it's interesting they did that as a way of sort of like a bridging between the, um, mm. the formats because I, I was I was surprised by um, 4K um, because I, I kind of <laughs> I I invested so much in my DVD collection I was kind of annoyed that Blu-ray came along because yeah. I felt like I just wasted my money because I mean at least you know, VHS was there for a long time and the um, oh, the, yeah. I, the idea of a DVD back in the 90s was just utterly alien. I mean, there were the, there were the video, CDs. there were the laser discs, but they were so, so ridiculously large and um, ex- expensive. There was just... uh, I mean, I, I I remember seeing because because my dad used to do a lot of computer custom building back in late nineties, early noughties. He had his own little business, and he was and he was installing a lot of DVD stuff, and he was harping on about how amazing DVD is going to be. And I kept seeing stuff like the Batman Forever trailer and a bit from Terminator Two, and I just had going films on CDs. That's a bit weird. <laughs> my, um, we... my first my first exposure to DVD was actually I, I had a, a brilliant music teacher called Mr. Hater, which is a wonderful name anyway. But he um 
he took over the, our music classes when I was at senior school. Um, when I was uh, my first, I think it was year nine. I walked in the beginning of the term, and mm. the the old classroom. So it looked more. It used to look like you know Lisa's music room in The Simpsons. Oh yeah. Yeah, it used to look like that. I walked in and it was replaced with thirty modern Yamaha keyboards and a widescreen television and a DVD player with a, a proper five point one surround sound. I'd never seen this before. Like, it was it was like walking onto a spaceship. It was like wow. And then this, this brilliant music teacher comes in and goes, hello, my name's Mr. Hater. I'm going to show you a film called The Matrix. It's just come out on this. It shows the disc. It's a DVD. He pops it in and he, he, he plays us the, um, he played us the, um, the, um, oh, what's it called? The, the, the lobby, lobby scene. The lobby shootout, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was deaf in my left ear for the rest of the day. <laughs> and it was, it, thing, was, it was mind-blowing. The thing I remember with The Matrix when it came out as DVD, because it became one of the, you must own this on DVD if you have yes. a DVD player, was the first thing you saw, the animated menu went, holy shit, that's amazing. <laughs> this is the, the power of DVD, I've animated got, menus. I've still got the music <laughs> from that menu embedded in my skull 20 years later. Oh, it, it was kind of like a nice little medley of action as well. And it's like, yeah. it's like, op- it was like kind of operatic op- action music as well. As, as, as far as I can remember, it's like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> so first- the, the, the Matrix, the Matrix is a film I definitely um, always upgrade. I, I'm, def- I'm interested to see what the 4K is like. And, I hear the 4K is very, very good. Excellent. Because I mean, the, the only problem with the D- really deep dive here the only problem with the dvd is that someone decided to color correct it i don't, I don't know what happened oh yes yes so they, because the matrix when... is meant to have a green hue and then the real world yeah. is meant to have more um sort of realistic natural tones well, for the I dvd thought... they replace they, they set the entire film as a natural tone i thought i thought that was that was intentional until uh, Reloaded and Revolutions came out where there was this sort of green hue. And then they went, oh, we have to go back and kind of paint that one in green now. <laughs> so I, I <laughs> so it's kind of like, because I, I remember watching, because yeah, because the original box is all blue, isn't it? The, the, yeah. the, origin, the original poster for The Matrix was blue and all that. And then when Revolutions and, and Reloaded and all that sort of stuff started coming out, they started embracing green. So it's like, you changed your colour palette. It's been between films. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, I will. Weird. I will say this. Although, the, although the, I, I do love that first poster. Mm. It's, it's so cool. I, I, it's a shame that the sequels kind of dim, diminished the reputation the first film mm. had. Because yeah. I still think the original Matrix film is um, it's, it's up there with you know, two thousand one: A Space Odyssey, and um, it, it's uh, and like Terminator Two. It, it's, it's it should be held in higher esteem than it is um but unfortunately that's what happens when well it's, it's probably how it's happening with the terminator films it's really depressing that five yeah. really bad terminator films <laughs> can make you stop loving the original Three. two films salvation genesis dark fate four four free salvation i thought that hey, hang on how hang on hang on let's see this is so terminate <laughs> terminator three yeah, which is not great, but the ending is really, really good. Yeah, the last five minutes are fantastic, yeah. but that the, was kind of the like first the, two hours rug- are really mediocre. Yeah, it's like the rug pull of oh, <laughs> uh, Terminator Salvation. That's the one with Bale. I can I I tapped out after five minutes because I was so bored. Um, but we did have Christian Bale shouting at people on a film set. So yep, it's always good uh, when um. It's always good when someone screaming off camera is a more iconic moment than anything that happens in that entire film. Yeah, so we had Terminator Salvation, 
Did we have Terminator? Yeah, Terminator Genesis came after that. That was the one, one in between. Was that? I don't know. <laughs> it's like we've all been terminated out <laughs> you, you know I, I do feel like terminator fatigue is a thing like i mean dark fate underperformed dreadfully at the box office or the against expectations i mean like right. I'm, I'm still i i'm still there are, are there four there are four rise of there the machines in 2003 salvation in 2009 genesis in 2015 dark fate in 2019 oh so it's just when you read the synopsis of those sequels you kind of get excited because okay, that that's that's an interesting take on it, and I like to see where they go. But they're all done so badly. Like, I, I I liked Dark Fate. I, even, I, even I, the even the opening. I kind of went really, but then I went oh, fair enough. If they if they've changed the time if they've changed the timeline, then they've changed the timeline. <laughs> it's, that's, I don't it's, know. It's it's, I, it's I, it felt like yeah. it felt like um. I, I I guess we could talk spoilers here. Okay, it's like killing okay, off. If, kill, wait, so anyone who's about to watch Dark Fate, skip five minutes. Yes, but I wouldn't recommend it. Right, we're going to talk spoilers now. Why would you kill John Connor immediately? It felt so cheap and so cynical. It like it, I just. <laughs> I kind of I kind of went. I was kind of surprised by it the first. I went oh oh yeah, but oh. was it was it a good surprise? Or was it a surprise that irritated you for the rest of the movie? It didn't irritate me. I, 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 I just feel that it's, it's like rebooting Star Trek and killing Spock within the first five minutes. It just, it just doesn't make sense. Like these characters, you know, some of these characters, they're, they're golden gooses, man, or golden geese, golden geese. Well, considering that John Connor has been kind of butchered to high hell since Terminator Three. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think yeah, he was, so he was Nick, bad Nick in Terminator Three. It was ridiculous. Christian Bale, Christian Bale and Salvation. I mean, at least Christian Bale clearly was you know, trying, tried, and like I love Mark Kermode's analysis at the. T- I remember him reviewing it at the time, talking about you could tell that Christian Bale realised that this is a terrible movie, and that's why he exploded <laughs> the way he um, did. Uh, Terminator Genesis, you had Jason Clark, who then was a goodie at the start and then came back as as weird as, as hybrid, weird, weird hybrid Terminator hybrid. John Connor, which was even yeah. weirder, because Matt Smith of Skynet said otherwise. <laughs> Never see, forget, see, Matt again, Smith when, was when in you, that. When you find out Matt Smith's been cast as Skynet, that's, just, that's brilliant. That's a great idea. And then when you see the execution, I, I the... The scene in Genesis where they um God Genesis is five years old. The scene in Genesis, <laughs> the scene in Genesis, Genesis, when um when the new Terminator takes on the original Terminator, mm. it's stuck. You, you're watching it at first, you think, oh that's really cool, and then halfway through you realise how bad it looks, and it makes you really. The only things in Genesis that are worth watching are lifts from the original Terminator movie, which makes you think, hmm. I've got a DVD copy of, uh, or a Blu-ray copy of the first Terminator movie over there. I might just watch that instead. Mm. In, fact, in fact, I watched um, they re-released the Terminator in um, cinemas last year. They did, and, didn't um, they? Yes. The, the restoration looked amazing. Um, oh, that's cool. it, lo- it looked so good. And um, yeah, just watching this, what, nearly 35-year-old movie? 1984. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 30, yeah, 35, 35. Yeah, Nearly still 35. holds up, still holds up. And obviously you can tell it's stop-motion animation for the Terminator at the end when he becomes the skeleton. Um, but it doesn't, doesn't take away the achievements of the film. I, I don't think 
I don't think the Terminator's been bettered um, for the type Terminator of film 2. it is. Terminator Two is kind of it's a, it's kind of a different. Oh yeah, you, different yeah, movie. you're right. It, that, it, it yeah. jumps jumps between um, a sort of like um, a tense body horror to mm. a, a to a more grand a- action chase adventure. Film. It becomes um, a long chase film. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't realised as well um, that the um, the twist of Terminator Two, the fact that you know, Arnie is the good guy, was not revealed through the marketing at all. Yeah, so it was yeah, a complete a surprise to audiences. Because a lot of people thought, oh, because Jason Patrick's dressed up like a police officer, he's mu- he must be the good guy. <laughs> That's such a brilliant idea. But like, we, um, uh, we, we will, as you know, I'm, I'm on my journey to rewatch all the classic Simpsons at the moment. And on mm. season three, and season three is when the, the, the writers decide, okay, we're going to throw as many film references as humanly possible. So the great moment where Homer's on his, cou- on his um, massage chair and starts doing the 2001 Jupiter Descent. Um, but I, I cannot wait. I think it's in season four where he becomes obsessed with Ned Flanders, and mm. they've got the Terminator Two chase scene with the golf clubs. There's like, also, isn't there the one where Bart's playing um, hooky from school and Skinner's chasing him? Oh yes, that's an- <laughs> and there's a bit, where, and there's the bit. It's like it, it kind of parodies the T T one thousand coming out of the flames, and then somebody just sort of like slivers into his foot <laughs> or something like that. Because I just I remember that is something similar to that. Oh, I think it was that, a bit that, of Terminator, a bit of Friday the Thirteenth. I'm not sure. I, th- I think it's Friday the Thirteenth, but it, it's yeah, it's 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 so good. Like, um, yeah, I love the Simpsons. Bit of, bit of, oh, sorry, go on. Speaking of Terminator, obviously J- uh, James Cameron did Terminator One and Two. He's been doing. He's been forever working on those Avatar film sequels, yeah, which I, I, I which mean, I will I'm, believe I'm not... when they arrive. To be perfectly honest, um, apparently the reported budget is a billion dollars. I don't know if people are going to see Avatar. It's uh, I don't think it's um held in the zeitgeist at all. I I, I remember ever, I remember watching Avatar. Um, and be, I was generally impressed by the special effects and the, it was yeah. the first time I watched a three D movie. Technically, and, it was amazing, and the three D actually worked. Yes, but um, the the Other moment I left the moment I left the cinema to today, I have not had the urge to rewatch it. Mm. Like for the for the live action version of Pocahontas in space. It is Pocahontas in space, yeah. Pretty and much, it, pretty it's, much. It's not very good. The story's pretty mediocre. For for a James Cameron movie, it's mm. it's it's surprisingly dull. But it, it kind of felt that it, it was a glorified tech demo, wasn't it, Avatar? Yeah. It, it, it pretty much was. And it's like, going, oh, we're going to do Avatar 2, we're going to do Avatar 3, we're going to do 4 and 5. It's like, what? Who for? <laughs> I'm just sat there going, I was like, I, just because I didn't mind it doesn't mean I want... Five bloody sequels. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when you're halfway through a tub of Ben and Jerry's, you want to put it away, not eat four more tubs of Ben and Jerry's. Oh, God, Ben and Jerry's the movie. Ben and Jerry's There's the a... movie. That's already happened. It's Endgame, isn't it? No, sorry, Infinity War. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Because cause the rumor, the rumor budget, because they haven't really revealed the budget for Infinity or Endgame, was about probably seven hundred and fifty million. Well, that was, guaranteed, makes... that was a guaranteed return. Yeah, yeah. Right. Whereas Avatar, I think, is a bit more risky. Well, is so, it, I mean, what's happening with Avatar now that Disney have bought uh, Century Fox? Well, they're still they're still releasing. They're still going to release the films. They're still going to do two and three. Two and three was filming. Uh, or still kind of in the end hell end of filming. Oh, so they're actually in production. I've... Yeah, because the first the next sequel is apparently due at the end of next year. So that'll be what. So 2009, so that's nearly, what, 11? 11 years after the first one? Yeah, I, I, I just can't see this being as big a 
box office sensation as the original. There were so yeah. many factors that made the original as big as it was. I mean, it was, it yeah. was the biggest grossing movie of all time for a good 10 years. And then Avengers Endgame came along. And then Avengers Endgame. That, that, was, that was Cameron's hubris. Yeah, I'm going to get that money. I'm going to be king of the box office once again. Oh, his, his disparaging comments about MC, the MCU, just, just as, as, that, as Endgame were coming out, I was just like, are you seriously? <laughs> you, oh. You've inspired thousands of nerds to go out and buy more tickets just to spite you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, and then just because I think there may, be, there may be a slight chance it might do okay because obviously... Avatar is part of the Animal Kingdom theme park for Disney at the moment, so it's like it's it's got its own land. And there's many different rides. So, what they makes you kind- think there's going to be a Disneyland after this? <laughs> this is true, um, but no, I mean it was it was one of the more popular areas in in Animal Kingdom. So you never know. There there might still be, and plus I, I guarantee there's going to be like people who saw it as like teenagers. They're now adults. They've got kids and going like this film wowed me as a wild me with visual effects and 3d and it's like, it's like if we're seeing a 3d film kids we're going to see this one again I, d- I don't know if that's true because i i have never had a conversation with anyone about avatar for the last 10 years well i'm still, I'm, I'm still <laughs> the, I, <same> I, <laughs> the only this reason is... we're talking about it is because of the, it's relevant to film news but like mm. I, 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 loads, I mean i'm still talking to people about the Dark Knight trilogy. I'm still talking about to people about the Terminator movies. I'm still talking to people about the Lord of the Rings. Mm. I haven't had a chat about Avatar since. Yeah. <laughs> With anyone. The thing, basically, the thing is, I, I've always just went, I'll believe an Avatar sequel when I actually see a trailer for it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it's kind of like going, oh, it's coming, it's coming. It's like, I'm sure it is, James. Just, just either work on it or go back to Titanic. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, I love what, the I movie. Like, you're, 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 well, because basically after Titanic came out, he spent like what another five, six years focusing on Titanic because he did that documentary about uh, mm. Ghosts of the Deep, um, which apparently wasn't too bad. And then obviously re-released Titanic in 3D. Yeah. After Avatar, I mean, the best thing about that Titanic re-release is they correct the stars. Do you know about this? No. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Um, he was furious with the with the film and he actually spoke with James Cameron at the time because um he didn't understand how they could spend so much money on research to make the ship as accurate as humanly possible and then get the stars wrong for the, <laughs> the stars are just random they, they they don't actually they're not the correct constellations at all for what you would see at that time of year at that, mm. t- that part of the planet and worse is that they've mirrored the stars so that you could tell if you watch the original cut of Titanic and pause it at night, you could see that it's just in the middle of the screen. It's split in half and it's a mirrored effect. Oh, so like, copied and pasted. If it's just a copy and, and, and then flipped and flipped horizontally. <laughs> it's like, so, yeah, basically. So after, after years of, of moaning about this, um, um, Ludacris Tyson was actually involved in producing the correct star map for the, um, the special edition. So it's an ac- <laughs> the like, sky in the special edition is accurate. See, see, things like this genuinely like I'm, I'm, I, I, I can't enjoy a film knowing the stars are wrong and I know I know that makes me very peculiar <laughs> oh, right one little bit more of James Cameron before we move on to our first review now he, he went on record recently about what his favourite guilty pleasure film was any guesses <laughs> Rise of the Machines no I would like you to delve into your video game archive. Not Super Mario Bros. No. No. Tomb Raider. 
No. Sonic the Hedgehog? No. Pokemon? No. I'll give you one more guess. Think horror. Oh, not the Resident Evil movies. Seriously. Re- Resident <laughs> Evil 1 is his guilty pleasure, apparently. Um, because he thought the film was beautifully made by Paul W.S. Anderson and obviously has Michelle Rodriguez and Michelle Rodriguez gets cast a lot in in his bits and pieces Uh, I think she was in Avatar and I think she's in some form of uh, Elite to Battle Angel I think yes, I think so, I might be wrong I apologise if I'm wrong but yes, that is James Cameron's guilty pleasure I remember seeing Resident Evil at the cinema it was like, oh this is alright but then I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed the corridor of lasers and and nothing else. That's that's right at the end, isn't it? No, that's halfway through the film. That's when ah. half the half the good guy Merc team are pretty much butchered in one go. <laughs> They're cubed, as I would call. Yeah, pretty much. And then it's like the music video from Slipknot. I think there was a music. <laughs> yeah, there was a music music thing from Slipknot, and they basically just basically interspersed clips of just that sequence into the music video, just to go, yeah, Resident Evil. Nice. Like no zombies, but lasers. I mean, if we're ah. going to talk like guilty pleasures, like the Super Mario Bros. <laughs> movie would be mine. Like that, that is a remake crossover that is waiting to happen. It's when it's, it's a bizarre film because you could just because <laughs> <laughs> you said Bros. So I was immediately thinking, when will I will I get a mushroom? Get a mushroom. Oh. Get a mushroom. You open I mean, this door. I'm walking through it. I'm going to close the door behind you and set the door on fire, Monsters, Inc. style. Just put it through the wood chipper. But then I can still get out because it's not a magic door. (laughs) It is not a magic door. (laughs) It's just just a a door you've painted on your wall that you keep slamming into over and over again. And I have to give you more Valium and sit you down. But the Roadrunner went through it. The Roadrunner went through that door. It must be okay. The Space Jam was two weeks ago. Let it go. Anyway, anyway, that's enough movie uh, random tangent chatter for today. Oh God, Let's we've been on. recording this. Ah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we we've learned a lot in this opening little bit. Have we? <laughs> no, not no. really. We've just. I, I we've, think um, our listeners have just wasted twenty five minutes of their life. I I hope they found that entertaining to some degree. I, I hope they agree with me that Avatar is rubbish and no one should ever watch it again. It doesn't deserve a 4K release. I think I think I've, I I I will I will sign off with one little bit to do with Avatar, and then we're going to move on to onward. And basically, it was when I because I, I went to Australia. I may have, I may have said this story on film roll previously, but I went to Australia uh, like a few months after the film came out, and the film had just come out in Australia. It was being a big deal in Australia, and um, I was reading uh, I was reading in a newspaper in Australia about uh, people's reactions to Avatar uh, and especially the reactions of two people who came out they took off their 3D glasses and they and they let out a big sigh and someone asked what, 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 what's wrong and they went oh, I wish real life was in 3D <laughs> oh dear did oh, they buy, did they buy their tickets with dollary dues I'm not sure but the Australian, but the Australian cinema experience is really nice because they because the one of the chains I went to had like a three different tiers. They had like standard, which is like your normal view, mm. and you had silver class, which was a bit more nice, a, be- a nice auditorium with its own designated bar. Or there was gold class, which only had like thirty seats, and you could order food throughout the film and it'd be brought to your seat. 
So what you're pushing for is an Australian-based class segregation? No. But different film experiences depend <laughs> on choice and choice. And, so basically then you can go, well, if this is a trash film, might as well just, might as well just go and just see it as a normal, normal experience. But if it's like Dark Knight Rises, well... Or Dark Knight, well. Or Batman Begins. Have, or Batman Begins, or anything Christopher Nolan, well. Maybe I might have to go for the nice nice gold glass, especially in Tenet. Mm. Tenet? Tenet. 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 No, I think, I think your Tenet. name is better. <laughs> Tenet. <laughs> Tet- Tetanus shop. <laughs> All right, anyway, film chatter, that's out of the way for this episode. Let's crack on with review. Top banter. Top banter, it really is. <laughs> let's crack on with a film review and let's l- look at the latest Pixar film, Onward. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. <gasps> no way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard! What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad. Right, Onward uh, had a bit of a misfortune of being at the cinema when uh, COVID-19 all came along. Um, yeah. So it, it went on. So basically, I think he had like one or two weeks at the cinema. Um, a couple, and like in April, it went to Disney Plus in the US. It's not on Disney Plus in the UK. It is available to own digitally in the UK through Amazon, Recute and stuff like that. So that's how we've seen the film this time around, I, I went towards copy um, because obviously it's a big Pixar release. And before the before, um, I think before everything started getting locked down, I think this was a film we were actually quite keen to see at the cinema. It's like, oh, this looks this looks a bit interesting. This looks a bit fun. Yeah, I think we, we made plans. Um, we were t- attending a, a small um, anime convention called Minamicon. Yeah, and um, it just been released. Um, I don't think we had the chance. We're just a bit too preoccupied. Yeah, because we were kind of going, shall we? Shall we just scarf off for two hours and just go see onward? Maybe. And then cinemas um, closed the following week. Yeah. So the basic plot of Onward, it's set in a fantasy world where magic used to exist. And basically this is a land full of elves and centaurs, mermaids, basically all the fantasy creatures from from obviously all your RGPs and all that sort of stuff. This is the land they exist. It's kind of like um, a similar world to like monsters and monsters university. So like all the monsters exist in this one universe. This is where all the fancy creatures and individuals all roam. And we focus on the exploits of two brothers played by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. Uh, Tom Holland plays the youngest of the siblings. He's called Ian. Uh, spelt differently for mine. But well, <laughs> That's the only way um, we could differentiate you two. Yes, and I don't sound like Tom Holland. Um, and basically he turns 16. So he is given the gift of a magic wand from his deceased father with a spell that can bring him back for one day and one day only. But things don't obviously go to plan and the brothers must go on a quest to bring their father back entirely by the end of the day. And that's the crux of it. I think if we go in a little bit any further, I think it might spoil the wonder. Because apart from that little bit in the trailers, obviously about the bottomless father, I didn't know what You mean what the topless to ex- father? Topless father, not bottomless, you're correct. Um, I didn't know what to really expect with this film. 
No, no, I, and I went into it completely blind, um, and it did surprise me. I, I thought the Chris Pratt character was going to be a bit of um, a annoyance, bit of, uh, an, an annoying jock, but he's not like that at all. He's actually he is the the, the nerdy geek character who's obsessed with D and D or their yeah. equivalent of D and D. And I mean, and the, this film is has been clearly so influenced by things like Critical Role. Mm. And which I haven't watched myself, but I am I am aware of just how popular sort of like D and D streaming has become over the last five years. Yeah, um, and it's definitely taking it's taken its influence from that world. So it's 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 interesting that um, the Chris Pratt's character he, is is it Barley. He plays Barley Lightfoot. Yeah, yeah. Barley. He's, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a, um, a vagrant. He's sort of like the, he's known to the law for being a troublemaker. Not because he's a particularly bad person. He's got a good heart, but he's clearly a disrupt. He's disruptive to society. Yeah. He's um, and he, he he's very much obsessed with the past, um, to the point where he, he's he, we first we first meet him when he's protesting against the um, um, the demolition of an ancient um relic to yeah. make way for brand new. I'm not entirely sure what an extension to their school. But it's it's he's basically he represents sort of like um also go on yeah because um in the opening they kind of established that it was all fairly like Dungeons and Dragons oh yeah it well, all... that's, that's interesting the, it the, like... still, the the world knows that magic is real and that yeah. magic was uh, magic um you know uh, provided everything to, uh, provided security you know um, mm. fire energy these kind of this kind of um sort of like things the world now takes for granted due to its post-industrialized state. Through the invention yeah. of electricity, which is all established very early in the film, and it's quite—it's quite—it yeah. is—it's a very witty concept. It's—I it's, can't recall anything like this before. Mm. Um, it's, it's interesting the way society has changed. That like unicorns are now that they're equivalent of raccoons, just like <laughs> digging through trash. And every time, I, every time I saw every time I saw a unicorn just like digging through trash, I laughed quite hard. But, Unicorns um, are quite terrified in this film. Yes, they are. <laughs> the, but Chris Pratt's Chris Pratt's obsession with the past is sort of like. It's it's part of one of it. I don't want to. I don't want to um, be too negative because I think overall this is a very good film. But the, the film mm. does. I think its messages are a bit confused. I'm not sure what the film's saying. Whether or not we should hark back to a simpler time, mm. or that progress is good, because it, it doesn't seem to know how to treat this theme. Because obviously the the, the magic is being eroded and yeah. commercialized. And it's it's interesting that there that the magic has been Disneyfied in the film. <laughs> yes, like yes, yeah. It's 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 a strangely. I don't know if the film is aware that it's self-aware, but it certainly is self-aware um, uh, to an extent. Um, and Tom Holland, he he's very much his character. Ironically, isn't interested in the past, but of course, he's the only one who could possess the possess the wand or staff. He's the only yeah. one who, who has magic in him to perform the spells, but of course he can't. He can't perform the spells without becoming, you know, going through his journey, yeah. um, his coming of age story. And, mm. um, and no, I do, I do like that. It 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 touches upon sort of the the classic themes of the hero's journey and going through the um, was it they, they don't take the easy route; they go through the perilous journey. Yeah. <laughs> intentionally go off road because that's the only way they'd be able to fulfill their quest. So, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's it, thematically, it is a bit confused. I'm not entirely sure what the film's trying to say, mm. um, but it is very entertaining. It is very mm. charming. I loved all the characters. 
Yeah, um, I've, I really enjoyed the world. Yes, I, I mean, I was, I was a bit concerned because the first, the problem of <laughs> the problem of making the world boring as a joke is that it can become a bit boring and for the first yeah. 20 minutes or so it did feel the film does feel a bit pedestrian it you, mm. you kind of you kind of forget that this is a fantasy setting and I, yeah. I i don't really want to go through the whole high school teen angst you know do my classmates like me shenanigans I, which we've seen over and over again it's, I think it's, we've also we've also seen seen Tom Holland do this in Spider Man. Yes, yes, I and mean, it's probably one of the reasons why he's cast and why he he, yeah. he works so well in the role. But of course, you, when the film splits off, you, it removes its sort of like pedestrian shackles and becomes more more fantastic. Mm. Um, it it starts getting its rhythm, and about half an hour, forty minutes into the film, I was I was enjoying it a lot more, and it felt like the yeah. pieces were starting to fit a lot better. Um, Especially where they go on the various sort of side quests, I guess is the best way to talk, um, to yeah. describe them. You know, they are all thoroughly entertaining and very inventive. The way the story is told through mm. through the side quests and sort of the various the way the various magic spells which um, Tom's char- Tom Holland's character has to learn in order to improve <laughs> and mm. you know and fulfill the quest, or obviously tie into uh, an element of his character which he's searching for. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, I'm I'm with you with the with the opening. I mean, it did feel that I think once the quest or the quest begins proper, it actually starts getting really really entertaining. Um, and I think the film is really bolstered during those segments by by the by the uh, chemistry between Holland and Pratt. They are yeah. really good together. I really um, I completely agree. And um, they they don't the com- their conflicts are never annoying. It's, no. it's, just, it's it's always amusing and it's always it's, it's good spirited. Um, yeah. I think in terms of in terms of messaging, um, I wasn't necessarily thinking about the past and the future in that sort of sense. I think for me, the main theme seemed to be it kind of felt more about a sibling bond or the the bond of siblings and and so forth. No, and that element of the story I think works tremendously well, and that that mm. definitely that's that's the heart of the film. That relationship yeah. is fascinating to watch, and. Mm. Um, yeah, especially especially how their relationship ties into this um, deceased father figure, who mm. of course um, one barely knew as a child, the other never knew at all, mm. um, because he died before Tom Holland's character was born. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it's it's I think that's the strongest part of the film. Yeah, their their dynamic. I think that 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 gets that relationship spot on. And um, it went obviously when there's conflict between them, it is generally quite heartbreaking. Yeah, of course there would be conflict between them. Of course, it'd be a very boring movie. <laughs> mm. But you don't, you you know, it's coming, but you don't want it to happen. Um, yeah. the, the way the way their conflicts happen as well is also very inventive. I won't, I won't, ex- we won't go into how obviously, but um, the, the yeah, of, the way the, the way the film uses magic as a device to tell its stories and like and 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 throw the characters into, into um, revealing revealing things about themselves mm. or how they feel about one another is very clever. Yeah. I mean, it's like there are tropes that you know they're going to stumble upon, but I think the way they get to the tropes is very imaginative and a, a lot more um, original yes. than just the simple, and, and, oh, and it, well, it, we're having a conflict now. Okay. And it, and it is interesting that a film that is so dependent on fantasy tropes can feel mm. this fresh and yeah. inventive, which is because mm. this, this is a genre, especially in animation, that's been exhausted 
so much over last yep. well last last 80 years plus um mm. no we could blame disney for that along with other filmmakers um yeah this, this is definitely this is probably the best fantasy animation i've seen in a very long time mm. um, i think with i think with pixar it's it's nice to see something original from them for a while because it's like don't get me wrong i think the Pixar sequels have been all right, and obviously... Yeah, I mean, even I, I appreciate Toy Story 4. I think Toy Story 4 was very good, but it was clearly it, it was clearly a dip from Toy Story 3. And I, I think yeah. Incredibles 2 was on par of the original. Mm. But um, that, well, that was like, what, a 10, 10, 12-year gap between the two? Or four, yes. I think it's 14, actually. 14-year gap between the two. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. I think 2004, came out 2005. Uh, uh, two thousand, late two thousand four, I think. Mm. So yeah, yeah. So that that was a considerable gap between between sequels. I think it was just trying to come up with the story for that one. Um, but no, I think I think the thing that I've I've always kind of worried a bit with Pixar is the over reliance of those sequels. I mean, I'm with you. I think Toy Story four is a very good film. When it first got announced, I really didn't want a Toy Story four. No, because because <laughs> I felt everything was done nicely in Toy Story three. And I I, I, I spent the first half an hour of Toy Story four annoyed that I'm watching Toy Story four. I mean, thankfully yeah. it becomes a very good movie. Um, and yeah. in, 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 Toy Story four is an excellent movie. It's just not of the same caliber as Toy Story three and Toy Story one. Because yeah. um, um, yeah, because we've had Cars two and three, which again. They're not my sort of films, to be perfectly I, honest. I have a soft spot I, for Cars. I think Cars is underrated. Cars, the two original was Cars, the, the original Cars, I'm okay with. The original hmm. Cars wasn't too bad. Cars two, yeah, it's like what? An, basically, I, and when I was when I was working in cinema at the time, um, I think I, I remember we would have a, a regular visitor from a, a, Di, a, a Walt Disney rep, so he would pop in and just kind of go, "Oh yeah, we've got these posters for these films, feed guys, and all that sort of stuff." Nice. And and the only reason those car sequels exist is because it's financially a successful toy range for the kids. Yeah, and I understand that. But then again, that kind that kind of defeats. That's the kind of thing. The thing about Pixar when they started out was they weren't they were doing things. They were different. They weren't doing stuff just to shell shell toys the fact is well i mean uh, story, oh sorry go on it's just like a lot a lot of their films pretty much all of their films up until they started doing all the sequel malarkey post toy story 2 a lot of it every film that came out was there was a sense of originality to it it's like bug's life you had uh you had incredibles you had finding nemo you had monsters inc and all that sort of stuff and each one was unique and individual in its own right and then the moment the sequels start coming along it's kind of going that's great that you're returning to these worlds, and if you do it well, then great. And we've seen that with Toy Story. Going back to the well has been all right, although they've pushed their luck a little bit. They, they, they have. They've pushed their luck. I think Toy Story Four is needs to be the last one. I mean, yeah. um, I, onward. This is the second film from Dan Scanlon. He, he, his, yes. his, his directorial debut was Monsters University. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Monsters Inc. is the best Pixar movie. I mean, I'll probably change my mind in a week's time, but I, I think that, that Monsters Inc. is so clever and so charming, and the, the art direction is incredible. I mean, that 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 door chase sequence at the end of Randall is amazing. It's like it's 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 Wallace and Gromit levels amazing, um, mm. and I was really wary. Monsters University, it definitely I I really enjoyed it, but there was something missing 
and I'm not sure what that was. Yeah. Um, it, it felt it it felt superfluous. Uh, yeah. I don't. I don't remember much of Monsters University. I didn't mind the film, but it's just like the film. The film was very good, but I haven't had, since Monsters. Oh, it's like we're talking about, you know, Avatar. Since it's yeah. since MU came out, I have not had the urge to watch it. But Monsters Inc. I can yeah. sit down and watch over and over again ad nauseum, yeah. and never yeah. have a problem. Um, it's I, the same. With, I, it's the same with Finding Dory. I thought it was an excellent movie with a really good message. Um, yeah. I just haven't really had the same urge to. You know, <laughs> jump back into that water. <laughs> I just um, uh, fi- as I have with, with like Finding Nemo. With Finding Nemo, and I liked Finding Nemo. I just didn't have an urge to see Finding Dory. That's the thing. It's have have like... you seen Finding Dory? No, I, I would, ha- I would I d- recommend. I mean, it is it is very good. It's just maybe, again, it's it's not quite Finding Nemo. Yeah, maybe maybe on a lazy Sunday afternoon. Yeah, maybe. But it's like it's it just it, it's like I haven't seen Cars Free, and it's again it's like there there are certain Pixar films I haven't seen the good the one film we haven't talked about is the Good Dinosaur, and I'm I, not sure I I wouldn't recommend the Good Dinosaur. I, I think okay. generally it's um the problem with the Good Dinosaur, and I don't know I, I I think this is a general consensus is that it's very dull. Nothing really happens for an hour. It takes okay. an hour or so for the film to set up, and okay. um yeah it's it's. It's the first hour of the film is basically the dinosaurs farming. Okay, that 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 is it, <laughs> and um, it's, it's a very str- it's um, I don't understand how you could take dinosaurs and make them so boring, mm. so pedestrian. Um, okay, so yeah, well, I, mean, I, I mean Disney have already gone down the dinosaur well. They had the animated film Dinosaur those years ago, and then they also had the TV show of Dinosaurs. The dinosaurs I would recommend, even though it's nothing to do with Pixar. <laughs> dinosaurs was excellent. <laughs> Like, uh, um, but, um, but really, yeah, really just, dark ending. But um, no, I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think overall, dis, uh, Pixar sequels have been a lot better than they should be, and mm. the, the Toy Story Toy Story series in general has been consistently excellent. And I, and I, yeah. I actually think, I think Incredibles two is on par with the first Incredibles movie. Mm. Um, I, I think putting the film through Mrs. Incredibles' perspective was really clever. Yes, and it, it, that was a good, that um, was a good yeah, flip. Yeah, it was a very good flip. Um, it felt like it was a it, you know it was worthwhile watching this story. Mm. Um, seeing how these characters act, I loved watching Mister Incredible trying to be a dad. <laughs> I, I think that was that, those scenes were brilliant. They were just as brilliant as seeing Mister Incredible be Mister Incredible in the first film. Like yeah. <laughs> his his rant about changing math. Is that... <laughs> like, how do you change math? No one changes math. <laughs> But um, no, um, I, I think where would we, uh, where would we rank onward in terms of? I, I think onward, it's not Wally level, it's not up level, but it's yeah. it's definitely, definitely, definitely better than Cars Two. I would say onward is is a is a high tier, yeah, medium to high tier Pixar film. If you've got the if you've got the legendary tier at the top, say for example, that's yeah. where you find your things like uh, Up and stuff like that. Again, it's like again, you talk about Wally, you talk about Up. Those were original films from Pixar, and they were amazing because they built their own world. And I think mm. that's why I liked Onward. It's because yeah. it, it was original. It was a different world. It wasn't going back to the world because hey, we've got a better, we've got a cool story that you might like. That's great, 
but I'd rather like to see you create new worlds again. Coco, again. Oh, Coco, what a film. Coco is a legendary that is, that, that is absolutely legendary, my friend. That Coco was yes. an incredible movie. And I, and again, it's like, I didn't, I wasn't really expecting much going into Coco when I went to see it with, with my other half. But we came, we both came out bawling our eyes out. It was amazing. Yeah, so I'm actually, I'm getting goosebumps thinking of, um, I've just got, a, what colours the sky? <laughs> just popping in my head over and over again. I won't sing the whole song because I don't want to A, upset our listeners and B, get a lawsuit from Disney lawyers. You know what they're yeah. like. You mean like the Fox style lawyers over there? This has to stop because of the Mickey Mouse Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> Simpsons reference number 4092. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Onward, Onward is a very good Pixar film. Um, of, yeah, you're right. There are some things that do hold it back a little bit, um, but it's still worth watching. It really is. I mean, I think the best way to. I don't want this to sound like a really weird, bad, bad comparison. But it kind of felt like, you know, Brave. Brave, we had Merida trying to kind of bring her mum back to normal after she got turned into a bear. Yeah. This is kind of of like, this is kind of like the boys. It it sounds really wrong for me to say it, but it kind of reminded me of Brave, but this time it was boys and a father. Yeah. No, no, I think that's that's an interesting, I hadn't actually considered that. Yeah, it does have, there are interesting parallels between Brave. Mm. And I, I think Brave is a very underrated movie. I, I liked Brave a lot, uh, a lot. I'm not sure if it's on the, in the uh, legendary tier. I think, I think it's it, I just think it, hanging I think on it's to the bottom it. of the legendary tier. Like, like, <laughs> you, I, you well, I might put, I'm, I'm, I remember liking Brave, but it's not something that I, Again, it's like with Pixar films. Immediately, you, when you say Wally or Up, I go, yes, yep. those are amazing films. Those are films I... It's like when we talked about 4Ks earlier. If they came on 4K and the picture quality is amazing, yeah. Oh, I, I've, I've snapped up every Pixar 4K available at the moment in the UK. I think I have, I have, in, I have Incredibles 2 on 4K. Ooh, That's nice. the only one I have on. I, uh, I got uh, that cheap from eBay. It's quite fun, fun when they release films separately on discs just for Samsung promotions. That's nice. how you have... Yes, nice. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. So, star rating for onward. Uh four. Yes, four stars, absolutely. And yeah, so onward available now on digital platforms to buy. I believe it is on Digital Plus over the summer. So uh, yes, enjoy onward. Now there comes a time in every action movie star's life where they must fulfil that obligation that all hardened action tough men must do, and that is the family comedy. Whether it be looking after kids, going to school, or just racing to witch mounting, it's a path that every action star must take. And now, it's the time of Dave Batista and My Spy. Here's a clip. How's school going? Oh my god, you have jelly all over your face. I'm definitely posting that on Insta. Is it too late to homeschool me? Are you CIA? How'd you get in here? Oh, okay, she has a camera. She might be streaming. If Kim finds out we got made by a nine-year-old, my career's over. What's the option? Kill her. Make it look like an accident. Yeah, maybe the stairs. What? Wow, still recording. Yes, uh, I, I'm pretty. I'm pretty certain in my uh, in my. Uh, uh, thesis that every action star in <laughs> must have a family film under their belt of some description um so you look at so look at the rock he did two fairy the game plan race to rich mountain all that sort of stuff yep john cena's done it with playing with fire uh arnie's done it with kindergarten cop remember that name kids we might be coming back to that in a little bit don't forget sylvester uh, stallone's demolition man 
that's not a family film. <laughs> I mean, I watched it as a kid over and over again, and it did, need, oh, did me no harm. Oh, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> Vin Diesel, The Pacifier. Oh, gosh, I'd forgotten about that one. Uh, Dolph Lundgren did Kindergarten Cop 2. There's a, there's a Kindergarten Cop 2? Yeah, I went to the DVD. <laughs> That's why you haven't heard of it. Uh, Triple H has done it with a chaperone. Uh, try and think other action. Well, action Mr. 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 Nanny, if we're going to go wrestling with Hulk oh, Hogan. Oh, yes, Hulk Hogan. Same with The Undertaker there. Because uh, he was in Suburban Commando. Both of them were in Suburban yes. Commando. Um, so, yes, it's, it's basically, it just feels like it's a fun rite of passage for every, every uh, actor who wants to be a hardened action film star. And, uh, yes, My Spy. Uh, Dave Bautista plays a hardened CIA operative who finds himself at the mercy of a precocious nine-year-old girl having been sent undercover to surveil her family. So basically, Dave Bautista is this uh, amazing CIA agent who can kick ass, take names, but he's not good at the subtlety of, of the CIA spy game. He's basically he's there to cause explosions, not there to pretend to be someone he's not. So he gets a bit of a demotion to go and survey this, uh, this uh, mother and daughter whose who's family may or may not be evil terrorists in a or one of the or their evil uncle is a terrorist or something like that and the, the uh, bad guys the that's bad how, guys that's how the film yes. describes it like the bad guys but um uh even though there's he sent undercover just to surveil just to survey the uh the child and her mother uh the child is very smart and knows <laughs> they're being watched and thus friendship is made or something like that or an well, unlikely friendship what through blackmail Yes, emotional blackmail. <laughs> so I mean, and career blackmail. So yeah, are we going to get out of all those films you listed? This is definitely. Mm. This is definitely. Should we go back to our tier system? This is. This is in. The, <laughs> this is in the legendary tier for action star does family movie movie. Um, but really? the, the, the bar is very low, my friend. <laughs> ah. ah, no, no, no that's, that's that's a fair point. That's, if, that's if, a fair if point. Mr. Nanny's at the bottom tier, <laughs> this would be mm. at the top tier. But this, <laughs> this still means this is that just means this film is passably entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, um, I, will, I will be fair. I, I I actually was surprised by how much I enjoyed this film. And I, yeah. I, I did find myself laughing a lot. I think Kristen Scholl's cameo was Bobby, the sort of the tech guru. I thought mm. she was very good. Have you ever have you ever seen her in um, Flight of the Concords, the HBO? I haven't, but I but she pops up in almost every sort of comedy film, left, right, and centre. Sometimes as like reliable supporting player or so forth. So um, you yeah. know, I was I, or uh, no, she's uh, she's Trixie the dinosaur in Toy Story. Uh, yes, she is. Um, yes. she, she does a lot of great voice work. Um, she's very good mm. in a Disney's cartoon series called Gravity Falls. If you've ever yes, seen that, too. Gravity Falls is very good. Um, mm. But yeah, she, she's very she's very amusing in this, and she is playing the kind of the needy um, sort of like um, tech operative who wants to. <laughs> she wants the relationship with Batista's character that Batista ends up having have happening, sorry, having with the Sophie character played by um, is it, it's Chloe Coleman. I, mean, yes, I, I assume I assume this would be a, a debut role. I haven't seen anything else. I think else. so, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. Kristen Scholl is is trying to be that sort of sort of. I want you to teach me the ways of kicking ass and killing people, and I will try and teach you the ways of being doing intelligence. And I lo- and I love I love the fact that even though Batista's character is quite adept at just taking down baddies left, right, and center. Whenever someone does something that's slightly unsafe, he tells them off. So it's like in throughout the film, he has this case of weapons 
So basically, it opens up, and you've got all the guns and knives and machine guns in there. Check and every time, guns, yeah, yeah. And the moment, the moment, anytime someone goes to try and touch, it's like, no, don't touch those guns. They're not safe. <laughs> That's not a safe working environment. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's a kind of. He, I think mean, that's why I kind of liked Batista's character in this one as well. It's like, yes, he's he's doing the best he can, but he's not he's not <laughs> he's not an inept CIA agent. He's just basically he's only good at one thing and trying to learn how to be the all round player, I suppose. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like, I, I I liked that dynamic. I liked the fact that he immediately fails in in that sp- in that opening sequence. I did enjoy the sort of like <laughs> you know, watching Batista kill as many evil Russians as humanly possible. Yeah, just happily take up grenades, pull out the pins and yep. just throw them. <laughs> I thought the use of slow motion was particularly effective in those scenes, just mm. watching all these um, exploding bodies slowly cascade <laughs> behind um, um, Batista. Oh, and trying to find the right sort of music to listen to while he does it. Oh, he ends up with he ends up with Celine Dion in Russian, doesn't he? Sort of like. Yeah, because it's like ninety nine <laughs> red balloons as well. Gosh, um, no, so it's it, it's um yeah, it's it's very the the film is very it's a, it's a, the film is winking at the audience all the way through. Mm. It, it kind of, I mean, there's even moments that there are scenes literally lifted from Indiana Jones, and there are moments where the characters realize this and they sort of they, they sort of as a quip from um oh yes Kristen show when she goes that the only thing that seems missing is nazis which <laughs> that, that that did floor me i, I really <laughs> <laughs> but um i i would say the strength of the movie is that it, it, it is genuinely there are moments that are generally quite funny mm. i i think the relationship between um De, uh, batista and uh, chloe coleman is actually quite sweet she is yeah. this is not this is not like coffee and kareem at all, no, it's not the at complete all. antithesis. Their, their, their relationship is generally sweet. It gets a bit. I don't know. I feel a bit uncomfortable during some of the moments where he, um, she, she takes him to school and he has to sort of talk about, you know, he, his, his job as being, his job is basically killing bad guys, and it's, it's, yeah, it becomes. A, yeah, I, yeah, that bit's a bit kind of is that it, it it feels like it's trying to hit the patriotic strings, which I, I, I guess obviously. It, you know, the, the, film will have, the film has every right to do that. It's just yeah, you know, it's absolutely. Just... Um, yeah, there's the there's the slightly forward teacher that follows that as well, just saying, "Oh, you're so good with the kids. Here's my number. Call me." <laughs> and but the, the problem with that is um, suddenly the Sophie character she's being bullied, mm. and the appearance of Batista kind of just sweeps that whole subplot under the carpet she's suddenly no longer yeah, but yeah it's 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 kind of it's the, like, the, oh, the, the teenage like, yeah. So, yeah thank you the, the the teenage bullying subplot which you kind of expect in these films yeah it's not really dealt with very well um um and yeah it's a bit it's the film is a bit disjointed i mean for, for, for as much as it's quite it is quite sweet and it is quite funny it's a bit tonally off. I mean, I'm not entirely sure if, if this film is kid friendly. I mean, it's quite there's quite a lot of it's, bad language throughout the film. It's a 12A. It's 12A. It feels yeah. It feels close to a, closer to a 15 than 12A. Maybe I'm just becoming old. <laughs> they were saying no, the kid shouldn't be listening to that sort well, you know of language. What? I mean, despite that, I'd, I'd actually I'd be more than happy for Mike to show my nieces this film. Um, they've heard worse language from their family, <laughs> as most kids do. Um, yeah, it's just a bit. It, it feels a bit. The film doesn't quite seem to know if who it's for. Yeah, 
And and the fact of the matter is, there are, it does feel disjointed, and there's just things they just kind of go, oh yeah, that's got to happen. Because obviously they 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 speak up about obviously the evil uncle at the start of the film, and he's 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 absolutely absent from most of the film until like the talents. Oh, we need a bit of drama. Oh, uncle, come back, come back, uncle, yeah, and, come and back, evil uncle. The, the the villain is the weakest part of the film. I feel like it's, it's like I beyond I, generic cliche. I couldn't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> it's, it's the, like, the, the only thing the, the thing that bored me the most was the actiony sequences apart apart from apart from the indiana jones ripoff i mean like i, I, like, I, I liked I, I liked the next door neighbors yes yes i mean <laughs> they, were, they were good characters they were fun um and and the mini twist that happens later uh, on we're, we're going to do it yeah won't reveal that because I, I would still i would still recommend this film i, mean, mm. I think this is a passable family-friendly affair i mean it's certainly miles above like the pacifier and the tooth fairy and all that, yeah. all that crap. Um, yeah, but it's 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 not gonna it's not gonna <laughs> it's, it's not gonna I be think, sweeping up Oscars. Let's put it that way. I think in terms of of Batista as well, at the point where he is in his career, I mean, this isn't his first film. A lot of people, when they a lot of actors, when they are doing this sort of film, it's kind of like they're still trying to find their ground. I mean, John Cena did it last year with Playing with Fire, and it's like. He kind of he kind of does what he needs to do. It's like the kid, kids like John Cena, and John Cena will try and do John Cena things as Uber. But the film was clearly just for kids. Whereas My Spy feels more more rounded as a family film. Yeah. And also Batista already has quite a list of good credits under his name. He's got Guardians of the Galaxy. He's got obviously the Avengers films. He's got uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine under his belt. He's got Spectre. Spectre. Under his belt I think he was a highlight well. of Spectre for me personally. Yeah, he was a really good henchman in Spectre. I, I, so it's, I actually it's, what I like about this film is the fact that it does feel like Batista. I keep calling him Batista because I'm a wrestling fan. Sorry, Dave, <laughs> yeah, the actor man. Dave Batista. Um, he, he's clearly taken the role very seriously, and I think he's very good. Yeah. I think um, yeah. he, he's performing a, to a higher degree than is necessary for this kind of film. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I think I think, like I said, I really enjoyed Kristen Shaw. I, I, um, she was very amusing. Um, um, uh, Ken Young some cameo um, as um, wasn't bad. Was fine. He's yeah. not. He's not. He's not shouting at a very high pitched voice. He's just kind of being like the sort of. He's the straight man. Uh, straight sardonic kind of sort of. It's like yeah. It's like we're great. We could have had. We could have uh, found these bad guys now if he hadn't killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. There are there are good moments throughout the film, and I I, mm. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. But it's mm. it's definitely not a great film. Um, I. It's a film, I think, in these times at the moment, if you're looking for something to watch with the family, maybe at the weekend for family movie afternoon or family movie night, you could do a lot worse. This, yeah. this is this, this is like, this is an hour and 40 that will just zip by and you'll have a couple of laughs, you'll you'll enjoy some of the cheesiness of it and yeah, you'll you'll enjoy it for what it is because, yeah, there are, there are other family films out there that were probably, it's like, again, we talked about um, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about it at the main event. That's a family film, but yeah. my god, is that long and pacing's all over the place. That's a chore to watch. Main, main, my spy, main event is is dreadful. This 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 I, this is entertaining at least. I watched this on um, the bank holiday, um, uh, like a week before we we decided to pick with my spy, and it's basically I I just enjoyed it for what it was, and it was like, yep, this passes the time. I'm having a good time. I'm not too. I'm not going to 
tear it to pieces is like it, it knows what it is mm. it knows what it is and also I, it's directed by Peter Segal and Peter Segal as a director he's made some of some of my some of really sort of like soft guilty pleasure films for me uh, he's the director of Naked Gun 33 and a third oh really yep uh, he's also the director of uh, the Get Smart movie with Steve Carell <laughs> I, and again and again that's kind of like it's a spy film and it's not necessarily treating because uh, Steve Carell obviously plays the bumbling bumbling spy but they don't necessarily treat him like he's an uber inept he's trying to do the best job he can and that's again it's kind of like it's it's light hearted and also featured The Rock like I, I, I had a soft spot for Get Smart. I mean, again, I haven't, yeah. I haven't had an urge to watch it since since two thousand and eight. Um, yeah. No, no, I think I, I, I was, I'm, 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 yeah, unironically huge fan of I'm Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third. Mm. Um, the smell of fear. No, no, sorry. The final insult. <laughs> the final insult. Fear, the second one. Too. I do apologise. With Robert Goulet. My, my, one of my favourite moments in the history of cinema is watching the Weird Al Yankovic Oscar se- sequence in uh, Naked Gun Three. <laughs> it's just. A, <laughs> on... I'm looking. I'm looking through Pizza Girl's credits, and there's a lot more films where he's working with wrestlers. He did the Longest Yard remake with Adam Sandler and Stone Cold oh, and Kevin gosh, Nash. Yeah. I well, see. Yeah. Yeah, he also did. Oh, he did Net, Nutty Professor Two, The Clumps. That that that's the one that will be remembered uh, when he dies. Obviously, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Fifty yeah. First Dates. That was that was in, you know, interesting. Yeah, Sandler, Sandler, and yeah, Barry Moore. That was a likable film. Yeah, uh, Grudge Match, which is that weird De Niro versus Stallone film. I, don't I saw think, that in cinema. It was a bit weird. Is. Basically, they're two old boxers who've retired, and then someone sets them up to kind of fight one another to get some money it's kind of like um rocky balboa just everyone's retired <laughs> in that sort of way <laughs> way um you can probably skip that one to be perfectly honest i mean i mean i'll be perfectly honest apart from naked gun i probably wouldn't rewatch any of these films they're just not they don't tick the boxes for me but i i mm. like going back to my spy i i, I agree yeah. with you i think it's perfectly passable i, I would be surprised of a family sitting down to distract themselves for an hour and a half wouldn't be entertained yeah. by this. I, I think it is a, yeah. it's a definitely it's it's a well crafted movie, but it's not going to set the world alight. And I think also I think because Batista's already built that goodwill of audiences with performances in Guardians of the Galaxy like Drax, I think a lot of people are going to be going, "Oh, look what Drax is going to do next," and that sort mm. of silly things. I mean, he even did Stuba last year, which was a very weird comedy, but I enjoyed it. I haven't because, seen it, I'm afraid. Um. I enjoyed it. It's it's not again. It's not a perfect film. It there are some absolute potholes, and also has another Karen Gillan blink and you'll miss it cameo. <laughs> <laughs> she needs she needs to sort her agent out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So let's do star rating. I'm guessing it's gonna be three stars. Yeah, I, I feel like three. It's uh, three. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been a good family episode of Film Raw. Yeah. My spy three stars. Onward four stars. Two really plausible family films to enjoy during <laughs> these times all right so uh let's move on to what we are watching next week now i said kindergarten cop was a film name to remember because what are we watching next week christian we're watching kindergarten cop yes <laughs> what's that it, uh, yeah um i it popped up on netflix uh, a couple of days ago it popped up on my twitter feed and the moment i saw that i went i wonder if christian's gonna say we should watch this <laughs> I, I i i am a huge schwarzenegger fan um mm. I, i've loved schwarzenegger movies since as a little kid 
Um, mm. I really shouldn't have been watching the Terminator at like eight, nine <laughs> in hindsight. But uh, I, I remember watching, I remember watching Terminator Two. I think when I was around that age, yeah, about maybe eight, nine, sort of there. And I think the moment T one thousand kind of shish kebabs um, someone through the head. Shish kebabs, the, the right word. No, no, it, no, it's the uh, it's the twin. It's the twins. So basically, when he plays, um, when he because well, the twins in real life, and that's how they did the scene. Mm. But um, yeah, the moment he kind of puts his things through the guy's eyes, I went with the, nope. with the coffee cup. <laughs> yeah, yep. I just went nope. <laughs> and you've, and you same, haven't seen same. it since. Oh no! And it was the same with it was the same with Aliens. I watched it when I was about eight, nine. Uh, I watched it. Uh, I think it must have been around. I was eight, nine at that time, and it was like on IT. It was on ITV. And I was enjoying most of it up until the bit where it 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 seems like Newt has been eaten by the alien queen. I went, nope, <laughs> <laughs> nope. It kills children. I have no, I do not want to be here anymore. For I am a child. <laughs> but as going back to Arnold Schwarzenegger, I um, I have so I've I remember enjoying Kid and Carn Cop, but I get the impression that this is one of his films that hasn't held up very well. I don't know if it even held up well at the time. So I mean, it'll be interesting to uh, revisit this 20 there are years a lot of films in his. There are a lot of films in Schwarzenegger's back catalogue which haven't really been uber-explored. I mean, there's things like Erasure. Uh, there was Erasure. There's things like Collateral Damage. There's End of Days and stuff like that. So there's a lot of stuff in the back catalogue in the tail end of Schwarzenegger's golden period that's kind of not really looked at too fondly i mean there's some there's some guilty pleasures there um end of days is probably quite guilty. i, I, pleasure I remember versus... enjoying that more than i sh- than i was expecting it's quite it's a while schwarzenegger ago. versus the devil <laughs> <laughs> i mean if, they... if, if you take the omen and digitally remove gregory peck and put in arnold schwarzenegger it's a better film <laughs> i mean like <laughs> actually i rewatched the omen last week it's it's and alongside rosemary's baby good double bill there like, do recommend them if you want to freak people out. Great films. But, um, oh, God. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby really did freak me out. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer The Omen personally, but my partner, she preferred Rosemary's Babies. I, I, I guess they're, they're kind of held in the same high esteem. I just imagine know. Schwarzenegger doing, uh, going up against them. He's like, what are you doing, Damien? You're my little baby. What are you doing? No. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Why are you killing everyone? Don't kill everyone. Patrick Troughton, you're going to have a javelin down your face. <laughs> what did you do to the nanny? The nanny did nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right, let's stop this now. Let's stop this now. Anyway, so I will, yes, I will next... quickly, quickly before we end this tangent. Really criminally underrated Arnold Schwarzenegger movie is the, from around about this period is the last action hero movie. Um, yes. Which yes. I think is fantastic. Charles Dance is brilliant. Um, unfortunately, um, in their hubris, the film w- was released on the same day as Jurassic Park. So, oh, <laughs> it's true. So that's probably why it didn't make a lot of money. Yeah, a little bit. But I actually, I actually Just think saying. it's a great movie. Um, but yeah, Kindergarten Cop for good time to revisit. Because this yep. just dropped a couple of days, a couple of days ago, and, yep. um, and- I, I just want to watch. You know. Arnold Schwarzenegger shout at children. I don't know why. You just want to hear that. You just want to hear that. What? Who is your daddy? And what does he do? Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's all you wanted to hear in the film, <laughs> didn't you? Anyway, um, my film choice again was sticking with Netflix. Brand new film. It's the Lovebirds. Um, this is a romantic action comedy starring uh, 
Kumal uh, Nanjani from, uh, again, films like Stuber and the upcoming in Turtles um, and The Big Sick. Uh, basically, he is one half of a couple, uh, the other half, Issa Rae, who experience a fine moment in their relationship when they are in, uh, unintentionally embroiled in a murder mystery. Um, this was due to come out during uh, April in, in cinemas, uh, obviously, covid came in um and paramount sold the film to netflix so that's why it is now coming to netflix so this is one of the other films that would have come out to cinema so again uh streaming platform becomes its premier position so we'll see how that comes out um i've seen bits of the trailer it looks all right it looks fine um it's kind of like we, we always get these unintentionally embroiled in murder mystery things at the moment so hopefully if it's if it's better than coffee and cream i think we'll be absolutely fine <laughs> it's a bloody low <laughs> bar my friend it's like, oh, I've just stepped over it. Hey! <laughs> anyway. Anyway, we must bring things to a close here on Film Thank you very much for listening. Um, if you would like to get in touch, uh, give us feedback on the films you've talked about or any other film suggestions, you can do. Brand new email address now, filmraw at bunkerzilla.co.uk. It will come freshly to our inboxes, so we will immediately know what you think of things. And as always, don't forget, you can follow us on Bunkerzilla via Bunkerzilla UK on Facebook and twitter so until next episode we will see you very very soon stay safe and uh, i've been in bolton joined by christian r allen goodbye goodbye for now stay safe and keep it cinematic adios